0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وعاقبه للمتقين ولا عدوان الا على الظالمين واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدًا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم وسلِّم وبارك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد. Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala Today we are on the twenty-eighth page of the Quran and page number twenty-eight is in the second juz of the Quran Suratul البقرة. We actually began with the first verse of this page in the last episode because it was connected to the previous verses. Uh, And those verses were speaking about a number of things that a person should be mindful of. So from those things that a person should be mindful of is the penal punishments, the penal code that Allah has established. For example, if someone commits murder, there is a certain punishment that has been legislated in the Sharia. For example, if someone steals and one of the evidence is taken into account and the Muslim judge or the Muslim ruler uh, holds that person or finds that person guilty of that crime, there is a certain punishment that is, has, has been legislated also in the Sharia. And likewise from that which Allah Jalla told us to bear in mind and to be mindful of, was the issue of inheritance when a person gives a wasiyah or their final will and testament at the time of death whether it's done verbally or whether it is done in written form those people who are the witnesses to that testament they have a an obligation upon their shoulders in, to ensure that it's relayed accurately and that it is uh, executed in the way that it should be done that should be done in accordance with the sharia Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the verse that we're going to start with today which is verse 183 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will now mention the passage regarding fasting in the month of Ramadan and these are the verses that speak about the obligation of this pillar of Islam and as we know fasting the month of Ramadan is one of the five pillars of Islam and so its importance is something which is uh, which is well known and it is something which is uh, which is very great in our religion Allah azza wa says in verse 183 a'udhu يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ O you who believe fasting is prescribed for you as it was prescribed for those who came before you so that you may be mindful of Allah سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى We take a number of benefits from this verse. The first of them is that Allah عز wa is calling out to the people of iman. And so the people of Iman, from, a, a, from the con- conditions of your Iman, from wake, what makes you a full and complete mu'min believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is to fulfill a number of obligations that Allah Azza wa Jalla has placed upon us. From those obligations is the fasting of the month of Ramadan. From the benefits we also then take from this verse, is the obligation of this fasting in the month of Ramadan. Kutiba Allah عز Wa says that it has been prescribed, legislated upon you. And so therefore fasting is one of those acts of worship that is extremely beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fasting the month of Ramadan, the obligatory fasting, as well as the optional fasting. The Prophet told us that Allah عز said in the Hadith Al-Qudsi, that Allah عز Wa rewards good deeds. Every good deed you get from 10 to 700 to whatever amount that Allah عز multiplies for. It is given a standard scale. Allah said, except for fasting. Allah says, for that is for me, and I will reward her accordingly. Because fasting is an extremely private act of worship. Outside of the month of Ramadan, or even in the month of Ramadan, if you are with non Muslims, they may not necessarily know that you are fasting. The fact that you don't choose to eat and drink in public doesn't allow people to understand or necessarily know that you are fasting. There is one of those acts of worship that you can hide very easily. Unlike other acts of worship, which is sometimes more difficult to do, such as Salah and so on, fasting you could even hide from members of your family if you so choose. You could probably choose not to eat the whole day and just say, I don't feel like eating and then eat towards Maghrib time or at Maghrib time and people not really understanding or knowing that you are fasting during that day. So it is an intensely private act of worship and because of the private nature that it is done solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is one of those acts of worship that rarely does, um, does showing off come into because it's not like giving out money or something, something that other people can physically see you always doing and being engaged in such a salah or reading the Quran or other acts of worship. It is intensely private. And so most people wouldn't even register in their minds that you are fasting, that you're not eating, that you're not drinking. And so Allah extols the virtues of fasting in a number of ways in this verse also. So Allah عز wa legislates upon us fasting. And he tells us that it was something which was legislated and prescribed upon the nations that came before us. Just as it was prescribed for those who came before you. Which shows us therefore that the major acts of worship, things like Hajj, things like fasting, things like prayer and zakah, this is something that many of the prophets, if not all of the prophets of Allah عز wa Jal bought for their people. Because these are the actions that purify a person and then the acts of worship that, that bring a person closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we know this from the sunnah because the prophet told us that from the best type of fasting is the fasting of dawud he would fast one day and he would miss one day so yes there may be differences in terms of the nuances the details the exact rulings but the overarching principle which is fasting as an act of worship is something that we find amongst the previous prophets and nations as well and then Allah gives us the benefit, the thamarah, the fruit, the, the golden objective of fasting, and He says, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ that you may increase in taqwa. How does it increase in taqwa? In a number of ways. From those ways, and from the greatest of them, is that taqwa, the concept is to be constantly mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when a person is fasting, they must be mindful of Allah Azza wa Because how easy would it be? in the month of Ramadan, for example, to hide and eat and drink. No one really would be any the wiser. If you went home and you locked yourself and you live alone or you go to your room and no one else can see you and you have food and drink that you eat and that you consume, no one would necessarily know that you've eaten or drink, drunk except yourself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through His infinite knowledge. And so therefore, it is very easily hidden from the eyes of the people. But we don't do so, what stops a Muslim from doing so? Even the youngest child, it is the fact that they realize and know that Allah is all seeing, all hearing, all knowing. That even if no one else knows, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And so it builds within us that level of consciousness that therefore is something which we see across all of these other acts of worship that Allah azza wa has legislated. And this is the link between this act of worship fasting and the verses that come before and after this passage in Surah Al-Baqarah. Those verses before that speak about being, being fair when it comes to retribution in certain punishments. When it speaks of, when Allah speaks about being fair and just in terms of the witnesses in the testament, what is the link between all of these? It is that those people have to have a sense of fairness and justice and integrity. If that integrity doesn't come from you knowing that Allah is watching you, that he will hold you to account, then where else would it come from? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extols the virtues of taqwa. In this verse, because Allah Azzawajal tells us that to be from the muttaqin is to constantly be aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the ways that fasting also helps a person to have excess in taqwa or increase in taqwa, is that it is something which naturally uh, weakens the body. Because when you're fasting, you have a lack of food, a lack of drink. And the Prophet told us wasalam, that shaitan runs through the body like blood flows through the body. And so therefore when the body physically becomes weaker, it has less inclination towards the haram and to, do, uh, to, to sin and disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas when it overeats, overstimulates and indulges itself, then it may well be that it is more likely to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the ways that fasting brings in taqwa or increases taqwa is that a person in a state of fasting is more likely to want to do good deeds. And that is why we find in the month of Ramadan that people are more likely to give sadaqah, more likely to make dua and recite Quran and feed others and do a variety of good deeds, which is why Ramadan is such a pivotal month for the Muslim in terms of the whole year that they pass through. And from the benefits or the ways in which this brings taqwa and an increase in taqwa, fasting, is that it helps you to understand the situation of people who are less fortunate than you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevents you from eating and drinking for just a limited number of days, shows you how hard it would be, how much it weakens the body. In a month, imagine having to do that for the rest of the year. Imagine living like that for many years. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows people to appreciate his blessings through fasting, and then that in turn should take them back to Allah azza wa jal in terms of praising him and thanking him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then speaks in verse 184, about some of the rulings concerning the month of Ramadan. Allah Azzawajal says, Fast for a specific number of days. The month of Ramadan is a specific number of days, either 29 or 30 depending on the sighting of the moon. So therefore this month is not something which is the whole year round. Allah Azzawajal didn't tell us and he could have commanded us to fast throughout the whole year, but Allah Azzawajal chose one month. And from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that the lunar calendar, it rotates the months around the seasons. So sometimes the month of Ramadan will come in the winter, sometimes in the summer. Sometimes, yes, you have a longer day, but the night is shorter, and sometimes the day is shorter, but the night is longer. All of this is from the signs of Allah Azza wa Jal. but also for you to know that this opportunity that the Prophet informed the Sabbath that in Ramadan, the gates of Jannah are wide open, and the gates of the fire are closed, and the, and, the, and the devils are chained, and all of these different virtues that we have concerning the month of Ramadan, they are only open for a limited period of time. And that is why when the Prophet Sallallahu as we know in the hadith when he stood on the minbar and he said ameen from the duas that he was saying ameen to is that Jibreel ﷺ came and made the dua that whoever witnesses the month of Ramadan and then that a month elapses without them having sought forgiveness for their deeds then may Allah distance them and remove them. And the Prophet said, Ameen. Meaning you have this amazing opportunity with everything that it contains of fasting, of praying, of reciting Quran, of making dua, of Laylatul Qadr, of I'tikaf, and all of these other amazing acts of worship that are combined and found within this single month. Allah has opened up the doors of forgiveness and opened up wide the opportunity for good deeds and reward. However, it is not always possible for a person to fast in the month of Ramadan. Sometimes you get sick, sometimes you're traveling, sometimes you have other circumstances. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ مِّنْ أَيَّامٍ أخر. But if one of you is ill or on a journey, then on other days later, they should make up those days of fasting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if someone has a valid excuse for not fasting one of the days of the month of Ramadan, someone is sick, so physically they're able to fast, or they're traveling, and so they're out of the normal comfort of being in their home and with their family and in in their residential area and so on, they're traveling outside of their city, maybe outside of their country. Those added pressures allows for a person to take that day off. They missed that day of fasting so they can eat and drink and so on. What do they do instead? مِنْ اَيَّامٍ After the month of Ramadan, they will make up those days. They will fast other days to make up the days that they missed in the month of Ramadan. You miss one day, you make up one day. You miss one week, you make up one week. And similar to that would be the women who are take who are, who are during their monthly period, monthly cycle, In the month of Ramadan, they have to take off a number of days, 5, 6, 7, 8, whatever they are, they make up those days after the month of Ramadan. So there are a number of people who because of their physical health situation, because of certain circumstances that they find themselves in, cannot fast in the month of Ramadan. From the mercy of Allah is that he has allowed them to fast outside of the month of Ramadan. And then Allah says for those who have the ability to do so, there is a way that they can compensate, and that is for them to feed a needy person. This at the beginning of Islam, when fasting was first prescribed for the Muslims before it was obligated in the month of Ramadan in that form, Allah told the Muslims to fast but they were given a choice. Either you can fast the month of Ramadan, you fast those days, or if you can't fast or you don't wish to fast but you can pay, then you pay. And the way that you pay is for every day of fasting, you feed one poor person. So for example, I don't want to fast 30 days, so I will feed 30 people, meaning I will feed them their food for 30 days. This is something which Allah Azza allowed at the beginning of Islam, so it was a choice. You can do this or you can do that. And that is why Allah goes on to say, But if anyone does good of his own accord, it is better for him. Meaning that, yes, you only feed one person, but if you want to feed more, that's good. It's good deeds and you get more reward. And to fast is better for you if only you knew. Meaning that those two choices at the beginning of Islam, the two options that you had, it is still better for you to fast than to feed the poor people. This was later abrogated. And it's abrogated by the verse that we just mentioned wherein Allah said that the fasting has been prescribed for you. There is no choice anymore. So at the beginning, the Muslims had a choice because Islam was new. And as we know, with many of the laws of Islam, Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed them gradually in stages so that the Muslims could become accustomed to them. Not only that, but because obviously the beginning of Islam, that period is a time of persecution, of oppression, of torture. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so Allah Azza wa Jalla, from his mercy, made things easy for the believers until they reached a level of iman and strength that they were able to worship Allah Azza wa Jalla in the form of and the forms of worship in the way that we now know them, meaning the way that they, those acts of worship then finally settled upon in their nature and in their rulings and so on. However, this ruling of feeding a poor person, a part of it was still kept, and that part is for a person who physically cannot fast at all. Meaning they can't even make up the fast after the month of Ramadan. For example, someone who's really old, infirm, frail, they just don't have the physical ability to fast in Ramadan, outside of Ramadan. They just can't do it because of their old age or because of the weakness of their health. Someone maybe is in a terminal illness. They have, for example, uh, cancer or something which again stops them from fasting because of that sickness and its severity. What do those people do? If they have the ability to feed someone poor, they do so for those days that they have missed in the month of Ramadan. And so an element of that ruling was kept for a certain group of people. For certain groups of people that aren't able to physically fast. As for everyone else, they must fast. And if they cannot do so, then they make up the days after the month of Ramadan. In verse 185, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to speak about the beauty of this month and its importance. And from the virtues of this month of Ramadan is the revelation of the Quran. That Allah chose from all of the months of the year the month of Ramadan for the revelation of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, شهر رمضان الذي انزل فيه القران هدى للناس وبينات من It was in the month of Ramadan that the Quran was revealed as guidance for mankind clear messages giving guidance and distinguishing between right and wrong Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says that it was revealed in the month of Ramadan we you know also from Surah Al-Qadr in the 30th juz that Allah caused or began the revelation of the Quran only in the month of Ramadan but on the night of Laylatul Qadr, as Allah says, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي Laylatul Qadr, We reveal this Qur'an on the night of Qadr. And so therefore Allah Azza wa Jalla chose the night of Qadr and the month of Ramadan for the beginning of the revelation of the Qur'an. And that shows you the importance of this month and its virtue. And it shows you how important it is that we focus on the Qur'an in the month of Ramadan. And so the month of Ramadan is often called and known as the month of the Qur'an. And it was the practice of the Prophet ﷺ to engage in more Qur'an in the month of Ramadan than he would usually do so. The Prophet ﷺ would revise the Qur'an with Jibreel ﷺ every Ramadan. But in the month, or in the year that he passed away rather, he revised it twice with Jibreel ﷺ. And the Prophet and the companion rather, ibn Abbas ﷺ used to describe the generosity of the Prophet ﷺ in the month of Ramadan. And he would describe him as a breeze that touches everything. And one of the reasons for that was because of his recitation of the Qur'an meaning that extra connection to the Book of Allah made the Prophet kinder, more generous, better in his character than he usually was and we know that he was usually amazing in his character The Qur'an Allah Azzawajal says, within it there is guidance, which shows that the month of Ramadan is also a month for the study of the Qur'an, not only its recitation. A month where you study and you learn and you understand the book of Allah Azzawajal more so than you do throughout the rest of the year. Because Allah Azzawajal says, within it there is guidance and there is distinguishing between right and wrong. And so the only way you can take that guidance and understand what distinguishes, how the Qur'an distinguishes between right and wrong, is if you are actively engaged in the study and understanding and the tafsir of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa says, <laughs> So whoever witnesses the month of Ramadan, then let them fast. This is the command now that you don't have a choice. You witness Ramadan, you must fast. And so therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abrogated that previous ruling that was found at the beginning of Islam. And instead, Allah Azzawajal tells the people to fast, unless obviously they have a valid excuse, then they can make up the days afterwards. Or as we said, if they are completely unable to fast at any time of the year, then they feed one poor person per day missed. And Allah Azza then repeats that ruling of expiation. Whoever is ill or on a journey should make up for the last days by fasting on other days later. And so this is a repetition of the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show that these are elements that Allah azza wa has retained. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows people from His mercy, from His gentleness, from His kindness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows those people who have genuine excuses in every act of worship, in Ramadan, in Hajj, in Zakah, in, in prayer, all of the Sharia of Islam from the beauty of this religion is that Allah knows through his infinite knowledge and wisdom that there are times and places where certain people are unable to do those acts of worship for valid reasons. Not because they're following their desires, not because they have no inclination to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but because they genuinely are unable to do so for a valid reason. Someone is sick. Someone is traveling. Someone, for example, is on her, uh, the lady's on her monthly cycle. The the elderly woman or man who's physically unable to firm and frail, to be able to fast or to pray in a certain way. So in Salah we know that if you can't stand, you sit. If you can't sit, you lie down. If you can't face the qibla physically, you pray in whichever direction you can. When it comes to wudu, you can't use water. Make tayammum. In fasting, you're traveling, you're sick, you don't have to fast those days, make them up later and so on and so forth. And likewise, the acts of worship in Islam have so many uh, so many uh, different rulings attached to them that allow for the different circumstances to be considered for those people who have valid excuses. And that is why Allah says, telling us about the beauty of this religion, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ العصر. Allah says that He wants ease for you and not hardship. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, and this is from the mercy of Allah azza wa jal, Allah obligated upon us to fast. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have made the fasting in very different ways. Allah could have said subhanahu wa ta'ala that fasting is 24 hours a day for a number of days. Allah Azzawajal could have said that you fast like Ramadan, but it's not just one month, it's two months or three months. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have changed the laws and we will come through some of these examples. As we used to see at the beginning of Islam, there were certain laws and certain rules, and then Allah Azzawajal abrogated some of them and changed them as a mercy for Humankind, and from the benefits of that abrogation is that you see the mercy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. How things could have been harder had Allah Azza Wa Jal wanted, you could have obligated the Tarawih prayer in the month of Ramadan. How difficult would that be for so many people, especially when uh, the days of fasting are long and Tarawih is late at night, around midnight, and certain people, especially in certain countries, would find it difficult to be able to pray a full Tarawih prayer and then to go home and sleep and wake up and go to work consistently for a month. Maybe a day or two, but consistently for a month. Allah could have obligated that you have to finish the Quran X number of times in the month of Ramadan. So many things that Allah could have done. But Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, Allah wants ease for you and not hardship, but ease in a way that still continues to allow you to work for the Akhirah, to worship Allah Ease doesn't mean that there's no effort that there's no, because everything in life requires effort. Going to school requires effort. Going to university requires effort. Getting a career and job and earning a living requires effort. Having hobbies and passions and playing sports, all of this requires effort. And so Allah Azzurra doesn't say that Islam doesn't require effort, but Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la says that He doesn't burden you beyond your ability to bear. But in order for you to come closer to Allah and to work for your akhirah, then yes, you must do certain things and you must fight certain temptations and desires that you have. Allah concludes verse 185 by saying, took تُكْمِلُ الْعِدَّةِ So that you may complete the prescribed period of days. This month of Ramadan, the 29 or 30 days that Allah obligates, that you may complete that period of time. And the Prophet told us, وسلم, for the one who fasts, the there are two happy moments for the one who fasts. The first time is when they break their fast. And that breaking of the fast takes place every single day. When you put in that date in your mouth at the time of Maghrib, or you drink that sip of water, that feeling, that ability, that, that, that uh, sensation, of being able to taste food and drink after Allah had told you not to eat and drink for X number of hours during daylight, it is an amazing feeling and you see the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you appreciate that simple sip of water that you're now able to enjoy. That is a moment of happiness. And likewise from that moment of happiness when you break your fast is at the month end of the month of Ramadan when you have Eid al-Fitr, when you break the whole of the month of Ramadan by completing that month. That day of Eid, which is a day of celebration, a day of happiness, a day of food and drink and eating, and it is haram, forbidden, to fast on that day because that day is meant for you to enjoy the blessings of Allah Subhanahu Taala in terms of food and drink and so on. And so you see, that moment of happiness. The second moment of happiness is what the Prophet told us, Sallallahu and that is when we will meet our Lord. Meaning, the reward that Allah Azza wa has kept for the people who fast who fasted for his sake subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azzawajal then goes on in verse 185, concluding it by saying, ala And that you may glorify Allah for having guided you. That you understand the beauty of Islam. You understand how to gain taqwa. You understand how through these acts of worship, you are coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ultimately you are benefiting. Allah Azzawajal doesn't need our fasting. He doesn't need our taraweeh or our Qur'an. Allah Azzawajal doesn't need our sadaqah. We are the ones who ultimately benefit. We are the ones who are ultimately doing this for our own selves. So we glorify Allah. And that is why it is the sunnah as you know that on the day of Eid that you make the tikbirat of Eid. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, wa alhamd. To glorify Allah, to praise Allah, to make tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something which Allah Azzawajal loves because it shows that you understand and appreciate everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to you by way of guidance and by way of blessings And Allah concludes this verse by saying And so that you may be thankful that you may show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything that is bestowed upon you not least of which is the guidance that he gave to you and your ability to understand and know the path that leads to his worship The final verse on this page 186 Allah Jalla then says if my servants ask you about me, then say that I am near. It is said in some of the books of tafsir that the reason behind the revelation of this verse is that some of the companions asked the Prophet O oh Allah, is our Lord near that we may speak to him at a normal voice? Or is he far that we have to call out? and raise our voices to Him. So Allah Jalla responded by saying that when your servants ask concerning me, tell them that I am close. Allah Jalla is close to all of His creation through His knowledge subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah knows intimately everything that everyone does, but He is close to the believers with also His response to their duas when they call out to Him and His divine help and aid subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Jalla says that I am close to my servants when they call out to me, meaning that you don't have to shout that you don't have to overly raise your voice, that you can simply call Allah Azza wa Jalla and make dua wherever you are in whichever situation and Allah knows. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jalla says, I respond to those who call upon me. So let them respond to me, meaning respond to this command of mine that they should make dua to me and believe in me that they may be rightly guided. So Allah Azza wa Jalla loves dua. And this verse of dua, as you will see, and we will go on to mention, inshallah ta'ala, in the next episode, the remaining verses concerning fasting. This verse comes in the midst of the verses of fasting. Verses of fasting before it and after it. And so therefore, one of the benefits we therefore get from this is that the month of Ramadan is the month of dua. And it is, as is mentioned in some narrations, more likely for a person to have their dua answered in the month of Ramadan whilst they're fasting. Fasting is something which brings you closer to Allah Azza wa and therefore gives you inshallah ta'ala a greater likelihood of your du'as being answered. And therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us and commands us to respond to this command of du'a. Make du'a to Allah Azza wa call upon Allah Azza wa Because du'a in its widest sense means to ask Allah to accept your good deeds and to forgive you. So prayer is a form of du'a fasting is a form of du'a, zakah is a form of du'a, hajj is a form of du'a because each one of them is a way of you asking Allah for reward and for forgiveness and that is why the Prophet told us وسلم, concerning du'a it is worship meaning in the wider sense just the specific sense is when you raise your hands and you ask for specific things but the life of the believer all of it is a form of du'a because we always want Allah's mercy and we want his help subhanahu wa ta'ala and with that inshallah ta'ala we come to the end of this episode and inshallah in the the next one we will continue with the remaining verses of fasting barakallahu fikum wa sallallahu ala nabiyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh bismillahir rahmanir rahim